You are listening to a message from Life City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at lifecitychurchhouston.org. And now with you, today's message. And hopefully you know about the story. If not, well, I pray that today it will encourage you um, as, as we talk about that Palm Sunday. That Sunday where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of allowing us to be here today in your house with family and friends and thanking you for everything you've done this week. And uh, as we get closer to commemorating what you did for us in Calvary, but also celebrating your triumph over death when you resurrected on the third day. And so we just ask that you would speak to us today, be with those that are not with us and were not able to come, but let your word not return back to you void as we participate and we allow your word to do everything for which you intended it to do in our lives today. Father, I pray that you anoint me for this moment, this hour, this time, and the end of even me speaking, may it be you that be glorified and made great, and may I be the one to become small. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen and amen. I want to thank, first of all, uh, for the young movement of our church, as well as the Flame for um, their participation yesterday and uh, Friday on the Engage conference, and uh, they had a great time, and we were able to see some of the altar call, and that's what it's about having an encounter with God, and so everyone that participated to make it uh, a success, uh, we, we want to thank thank you for that, and Jesse for uh, being consistent in these last couple of years of having it, and so again, we thank God that we were able to, to be a blessing to some people, yeah, people that came and able to find God and reconnect with God here at these altars, so we continue praying for all our ministries here. I'm in John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. And it says, The next day the great crowd had come for a festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did he realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. I want to talk about, for a few moments, uh, Palm Sunday. And the scripture and the passage that we, we just read right now 
um, describes the events that took place on that day that we call Sunday uh, or Palm Sunday. Um, it, it comes to commemorate Christ's triumphant entrance to Jerusalem four days before Jesus bought our salvation, dying on a cross on Mount Calvary, also known as Golgotha. And the actions that Jesus did on that day um, put into motion, if we could say, all the events that would culminate, that would end with his death, with his burial, and his triumphant resurrection. When we look at this passage and the book of John, he registers some things and describes some events of that day that centered, listen closely, around the reaction of the people that heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And I want to emphasize in some of those reactions that I believe are reactions that we should also have as a church and as believers of Jesus Christ in the same, maybe, and even in a greater fashion than the reaction that the people had on that Palm Sunday when Jesus came in. According to what we read in John chapter 12, verse 12, it says that the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival, listen, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus' arrival to Jerusalem was not with the intention of it being a secret arrival. He was not coming in uh, as a surprise. The reports had been circulating, as, as we have read in the passages that we read, that um, Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was an annual event that was celebrated by the Jews. And there was a multitude that followed Jesus through Galilee and followed Jesus through, through Judea. And, and they had great conscience that, that this particular Passover was going to be different. It would be different because Jesus would be coming in to celebrate it. And, and there was anticipation in, in the hearts of the people as they uh, waited for the day to come because they had heard that Jesus was going to be coming in and, and there was some uh, electricity in the air that, that filled everyone's expectation that this would be something totally different. I believe that we as children of God and as believers should have the same expectation that every service that we come to God is going to do something different, that it's going to be different than the other, that God has intentions of doing something. He's not just wanting to show up secretly, but that we should be aware that He is here and that He is going to do something. And if He is present, anything can happen in our lives wherever God is present. And see, these people did, did not understand or didn't even know what Jesus would be doing in Jerusalem. But one thing was that they were grabbed to the realization God was up to something. And you should have that same sense and feeling when you come to church that God is up to something. I don't know what it is, but the fact that when I get there, God is up to something and to do something in my life. And as we read the text and you read chapter 12, even before we get to chapter or verse 12, we find that 
that Jesus, before he comes into Jerusalem, many people knew that he was nearby. They knew that he was nearby because many of them had had an encounter with Jesus in Bethany. That was about two miles away from Jerusalem. And you may say, well, what does Bethany have to do with anything? Well, it had a lot to do with it in the sense that Bethany was the place, a chapter before, where Jesus had resurrected Lazarus from the dead. People had heard and people had seen the miracle with their own eyes. And so they were following Jesus and they anticipated something is going to happen. Something is going to change uh, the atmosphere when Jesus comes in on that Palm Sunday. And so they, they understood that there was something special about that day because the people had seen Lazarus resurrect from the dead. And Lazarus was living proof that Jesus had resurrection power that was greater than the power of death because they had seen Jesus do a miracle and overcome death with the resurrection of Lazarus. But also reports had been circulating in the suburbs as well of Jerusalem that, uh, of that great encounter that Jesus had had at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home. That dinner that they had made for him. And while, while Jesus is eating, Mary leaves the scene and comes back with this, with this expensive perfume. And the Bible says that she took this expensive perfume that was worth one year's salary. And she opens it and she begins to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And the whole room and the whole house all of a sudden was changed by the aroma, by the perfume that filled that house. It was an unusual fragrance. It was, it was a, a fragrance and an anointment that was used normally to, for, for burials so that it would uh, dominate the, the stench and, and the smell of, of death. But, but there was something else that was mixed in these uh, aromatic spices and herbs that made this perfume. And on that day, Mary had added to that her faith. Her faith in believing that by mixing faith in that perfume, that house would be filled with the fragrance of the power of resurrection. You see, even Jesus had said in John 12, verse 7, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. But you may read that as the burial, the death, but Mary had different intentions when she had poured that perfume on Jesus' feet because this, this perfume would, would, would all of a sudden clean the air of any bad odor uh, of death or stench uh, because of the sweet perfume of, of, of resurrection. In other words, Jesus was going to be going to, to the Calvary and, and to Mount Calvary, but, but, but he would not be going with the odor of death on his life there would be an essence of resurrection because of the perfume that had been poured upon him Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die and and, and give his life in ransom for human uh, humanity but 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 his his clothing would be drenched and would be saturated with an incense of resurrection testifying the triumph that would come over hell over death and over the grave because of the perfume and you got to understand 
understand that you that Jesus was not only, yes, going to Calvary, and yes, he was going to die, and yes, they were going to bury him, but that's not where it stops. It stops on one more Sunday that would come, and Jesus would resurrect from the dead, and even from the death, he would not smell like death because of the perfume. Not even the death stench would permeate or would saturate his death clothes or, or even stench or mark the clothes of, of his splendid glory when he would arise. It would be like the, the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says that they put him in the fiery furnace, but because Christ was with him, the Bible says that when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because God was there and Mary was wanting to make sure I know that he's going to die but there will no be no residue of death not even on his garments because I'm mixing faith with this this perfume of resurrection power will be on his life you see Mary poured this perfume over those feet that would crush the serpent's head he 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 she she poured this perfume on his feet that it, as it ran down on those feet would be the feet that when he went into hell, he would enter into the darkness of hell. And yet he would be able to destroy the powers and the principalities of evil. David, the psalmist, describes it this way in Psalms 45.8. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of strings makes you glad. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh, with aloes and cassia. You see, the multitude that knew that Jesus was close and that Jesus was about to come into Jerusalem had this sense that something great was going to happen. Should be the same feeling and the same sensation that we should have when we come to church. That he is near. That he's about to invade us and something supernatural should take place in my life, in my dilemma, in my situation. We must have that same emotion and we must have that same feeling of anticipation and the expectation that, that God is going to do something great when we come because we're expecting for him to show up. Uh, I, there was a lot of people there, thousands of people that were coming in to celebrate the Passover. But among all those people, yes, there were the scribes. And you would find there that there were the Pharisees that were there. And you find out that there was the religious people and the elite politicians that, that were there uh, uh, that wanted to stop Jesus from coming into the gates of Jerusalem. But they were powerless and, and they didn't have the power to hold him back. And, and I've come to tell somebody that no one or nobody or nothing, not even the Pharisees, not even the, 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 the military mind of the Romans can stop and can hinder the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that soon will appear in the air. There's nothing. It doesn't matter what we may do. It doesn't matter what government may say. There's no principality. There's no demon in hell. There's no one even on earth that can hold back the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we should have the same anticipation that they had Palm Sunday that no one would be able to stop the coming of Jesus. We must understand that as long as I'm in the house of God, there's no one or nothing that can stop Jesus from coming in and doing something miraculous and radical in your life to turn your situation around. 
But do we come with that expectation? Do we come understanding that that can happen in our lives? See, Jesus will come again. He will appear again. And when they saw him coming, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, Zechariah had prophesied this event of the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ 500 years before it actually happened. And in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. See, Jesus could have entered any way that he wanted. Jesus could have entered on chariots. He could have entered with great splendor and grandeur, and he could have done something spectacular uh, to draw all that attention to himself. But he came riding on a donkey. Because in those days, whenever kings were to engage in war, they would show up in their chariots. They, they, they would show up riding a stallion. But whenever they wanted to come in peace, they'd come riding on a donkey. And even though there was war, and even though there was contention, and even though there was a, 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 rule, a ruling and a government of, of Romans who, who governed with a, with a strong fist and a strong arm, even though they were trying in various occasions to destroy Jesus, Jesus still rides on a donkey saying, I'm coming to offer you peace. I am the Prince of Peace. And I can give you peace in the turmoils of life. I can give you peace in those areas that have been uh, uh, hard on your life. I can give you peace in those situations that have kept you up at night. I am the Prince of Peace. And he still is the Prince of Peace. And he was coming on that day as the Prince of Peace. I'm here to tell somebody that because he is the Prince of Peace, you can come out of the valley that you've been in and in hiding you can come out of the depression you can come out of the situation that's kept you in darkness he is the prince of peace and will give you the peace that passes all understanding some of you here today are witnesses of the peace of God. The issues and the drama that you faced at life have been enough to keep you in a fetal position. The things that you have faced and dealt with in life could be crazy enough to put you in a mental institution. The things that you have gone through in life could have taken you back to drugs or taken you back to alcoholism. But if there's any reason that you're still sane and that you're still here today, it has to be because in the midst of the storm of your life, there has been peace of God that has kept you and sustained you even in the days that you are living in today. He is a Prince of Peace. And when the time of the prophecy of Zechariah was to be fulfilled, no one nor anything could detain it or could delay it because God is a promise keeper. And just as a word of prophecy had been spoken over the events of the life of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that before you were even born, in the archives of heaven, 
There are archives with prophetic words and assignments and accomplishments that have your name on it. And maybe you've not seen it yet. And maybe you've not seen it happen or develop yet. But I've come to tell you, keep believing. God is a promise keeper. And if he gave you a promise, he'll be faithful to keep it. If there is a prophecy, he'll be faithful to fulfill it. Just as he did with Jesus. And just as he did with the prophet uh, Zechariah. God is going to fulfill every promise and every prophecy that has been spoken because he is a promise keeper and you ought to thank God that there are things upon your life that have been said things upon your life that you've not seen yet manifest but will happen because God is a promise keeper he will keep his word listen there are many people at that feast of the Passover they know that Jesus is coming in they sense it, they've heard it and they're waiting with anticipation but even though there was a lot of people thousands upon thousands that would come from all over to celebrate the Passover not everyone was engaged and not everyone was in tune to what was happening and to what was coming see not everybody was waiting for Jesus to come in Some of them had come because it was a, an annual ceremony. Some of them had come to Jerusalem because it was a ritual, and that ritual with time had, had lost its significance and had lost its value. Some of them were there again, but, but it had only become and had only converted into a tradition. But there were a few that were there that were still waiting and believing in this prophecy for it to be fulfilled. The sad thing that I say today is that the same thing happens and occurs in our, in our time today. There are people that come Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and they come, but it's a religious ceremony. They come, and it's become... Now, a, 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 a ritual, they come and it's become simply a day that has lost its value and has lost its significance. They, they, they come, but it's, it's only a, a tradition, but, but there's no, no, no value, there's no significance anymore. And, and, and we can fall in danger that we come basically out of routine and, and come to the church now with not really expecting that God is going to show up, not really expecting that God can change my life, not really expecting that God can heal me or that God can change my circumstance. We come as, as a ritual. We come because it's Sunday and everybody supposed to go to church on Sunday. And, the, and there was people, that, that are thousands upon thousands that were there, but there was only a a few that, that were with the anticipation that God is going to do something different today. Today has to be different. Than, I know I've had some other good Sundays and I know I've had some glorious encounters in the past, but every Sunday His mercies are new every morning and this Sunday has to be different. There's something great that God has to do. There's something new that God has to do in my life today that He didn't do in the past. And so they came a few that were engaged and that had seen the signs that he was coming. There was a few 
that still could sense that Christ was about to show up. And I know there's a, lot, a few of us here, but of this few of us that are here, look at me, don't look at who person next to you. I, 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 I feared to say that some of us came because uh, I had nothing to do. And I, I came because uh, my conscience says that it's Sunday and, and I've got to go to church. But there's a few of us here that said, I came because I believe that God can do something today that he didn't do last time. I came because I believe God can recharge me today when I wasn't here last time. I came because I still Trust God that he can do something new in my life today, even though I've had other Sundays in my life. And so they came, and when they came, they, they, they understood that it would be a different Sunday. They, they understood that I see the signs, and he's coming, and if he's coming, something out of the ordinary can happen. And the Bible says, I mean... John 12, 13, that the people that participated, who understood and had a sense that Christ was present, they didn't want to be just spectators. They wanted to be involved in what Christ was going to do. They wanted to be involved and let Christ know that even though others may not be expecting you, Others have no clue. We have a clue. And we have seen the signs. And we know that you are going to do something. We know and we're waiting for you. And we're not just going to be spectators. We're going to be part of the celebration. And the Bible says in John 12, 13, it says they took palm branches. And they went out to meet him. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. And it says shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. You've got to understand that the word Hosanna is, is a unique praise word. The, the word Hosanna is associated clearly, listen, with the appearance of a king. The word Hosanna was used when they understood that the king, listen, not was coming, that the king was present. They understood that he was there. And only when he was there could they say, Hosanna! Hosanna was a word that, listen, that recognized where the Lord was now. Hosanna is a now word. It's not something from the past. And it's not something for the future. When they said Hosanna is because they knew where he was. They knew he was present. I don't know if there's anybody here that understands and knows that God is present here today. He's as present as you acknowledge him. He's as present as you want him to be. That's why this word Hosanna is not for everyone. The word Hosanna is for them that acknowledge and understand that he is present now. The word Hosanna, listen closely, is a word that, that, that's never referring to the future, but it emphasizes also what God is doing now. Hosanna, I know he's here now. Hosanna, I know he's present now. The, the, the word uh, Hosanna 
like I said, it identifies of what he is doing now. It, Hosanna is a messianic word. Ho, Hosanna is a word that, that, that is associated with the kingdom. But I want you to get this. The, the translation of the word Hosanna means save now. It's a now word. That's why I was saying earlier that Hosanna is a unique praise word or word of praise. Hosanna is, is not just for anybody. It's that I acknowledge God has the power. He is present now and has the power to do something now. So when they're crying out, Hosanna, it was a word that came to the appearance of a king. When Jesus came in and they saw him, they said, Hosanna, he's here now. Hosanna, we need for you to do something now. Hosanna, the translation means save now. I wish there was somebody here that could look at your situation and look at your problem and look at your circumstances and say, Hosanna, save now. Hosanna, I need a deliverance now. I need a salvation of the situation now. Somebody say, Hosanna. Maybe, maybe this will get you a little bit more enthused. Listen to what Hosanna means because it deals with now. Hosanna signifies immediate deliverance. I, I don't know if anybody needs anything immediately right now. They were such in such a, 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 a captivity under the Roman government. The people were saying, we need Immediate deliverance. Hosanna. But it also means instant intervention. Apparently nobody needs any instant in intervention. That's cool. I do. Hosanna. That's what it meant. And you can only say that when you know that God is present. You could only use that word when you knew he was there like now. That you were convinced that you knew he's here. So if you know that he is here, you have the right to say, Hosanna! But if you came like many that came that day just to be part of a ritual, just to be part of an annual ceremony, just to be part of an event, but there was no more uh, feeling, no more anticipation, no more value, this word Hosanna is not for you. To have an immediate a deliverance, to have a, 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 an intervention that would be uh, instantaneous, it's only those that understand God is present, and if he's present, now he can save me now he can deliver me now he can intervene now because he's a now God Hosanna you believe that he is a now God you believe that he can give you immediate deliverance that he could intervene instantaneously in your marriage, instantaneously in your spouse, in your children, in your finances, in any legal situation that you have, in any physical element, that ailment that you may have, he is a now God. I need deliverance. I need intervention. Hosanna! That may not mean much to us here, but to them, they understood what Hosanna. That's the only time you hear them say Hosanna. 
You don't hear them say Hosanna in all the other the gospels, in other events, only when the gospels talk about the triumphant entry this Sunday of Palm Sunday, only on that day because they were finally realizing this man who has done good, this man who has done uh, miracles, this man who has come uh, to save and seek that which was lost, he is here, he is our deliverance, we need something done now. They, they didn't know that that deliverance would be coming when Jesus would die on the cross. They didn't know that that intervention would come when Jesus was on the cross shedding his blood for all humanity. They did not know that, that, that because as we read, the disciples did not understand this when he said this, but they understood it after he had been glorified. They didn't understand that your deliverance and your miracle and that the intervention that's coming would come on the third day that Jesus would resurrect from the dead and destroy hell, destroy the grave, and destroy death and give us also the hope that we could live again. Hosanna to the highest. But Jesus said also something interesting, and I'm almost, I'm almost done. Matthew 23, verse 39, he said this, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you what? Until you say what? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a word not for everybody, but it's a word, Hosanna, for the church that's expecting the Lord to come again. And I fear that the postmodern church, we have lost the essence of the word and the essence of, of, of his promises. We have made this world and made preparations as if this is our eternal home. We have totally lost sight of what heaven is. We have totally lost sight of where we are going. Yet this word, he says, you will not be able to, to say uh, or see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. If there's ever a time that we are seeing the signs that Jesus is coming back again, it is now. And just as in the days of past that the soldiers and the political regimes and the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees could not keep Jesus from coming into Jerusalem, there is nothing that will keep Jesus from coming back again and taking his people with him. But it it is only for a church that is seeing the signs and looking up and saying at any time he's coming back for us. At any time he will fulfill his promise and prophecy that he would come again for us. I wish there was somebody that could say, Lord, I believe you're coming back. I believe that your word is true. I believe that you are going to take me with you. Musicians, you can come up now. I'm in John chapter 12. Verse 12 and 13. It says that the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And it says they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. They took palm branches and they welcomed him. Those of you that have come the past couple of years, but even before that. My wife usually decorates each of these pillars with long palm branches, and you'll see them all lined up and laying down through here. You would even have seen my wife worshiping today with palm branches. But the cold 
The freezing temperatures basically killed all our palm trees. You go over, they're burnt, they're, they're dead. So the only palms that you have are the ones that God gave you in each one of your arms, and they're called your palms. They would use the palm branches to welcome a king after coming back from a victorious battle. And they would use the palm branches as a sign of joy and welcome, that they were happy and they were joyful.